Welcome to Sport Management Review Insights. I'm your host, Vito Subro. A question that is often asked by sport managers is, how can we stay ahead of our opponents? Or how can we be innovative? The answer is often, well, with creativity. So creativity in sport organizations is going to be the focus of this episode, specifically what leads to creativity and how this helps innovation. And joining us to discuss this is a researcher who's published several articles on innovation and sport organization performance. She's assistant professor at East Tennessee State University. It's Natalie Smith. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Natalie and co-author Chris Green recently published Examining the Factors Influencing Organizational Creativity in Professional Sport Organizations. Now, Natalie, I, like you, I've worked at a sport organization. And when I was there, I felt like I was just putting out fire. I was just putting out fires every day rather than doing anything innovative. How does this study help researchers and practitioners understand how sport organizations can be innovative? Organizations, right, they're looking for easy fruit to pick off the tree. Um, You know, like you said, right, it's putting out fires, putting out fires. I don't like to think back on how many hours I spent working when I worked in professional sports. So having them understand, well, here's some empirical evidence that shows what are the most effective ways to start building that. Um, And some things that they may see are beneficial for other things, not just creativity. And I think also getting them to understand that innovation is not simply just copying and pasting what other people are doing. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I've actually, I've had colleagues tell me stories about, you know, sport organizations. Well, why did you do X, Y, and Z? And they'll be like, oh, well, you know, Manchester United does it. So we'll do it. And you're like, okay, that's, that's not really being innovative. That's just taking whatever the best team is in the world and, and, you know, brand in the world and, and stealing their ideas. They may actually not be useful for you. I think that that is understanding those things, those building blocks can help you actually be creative versus just uh, copying, posting and throwing spaghetti on the wall. I love, apparently I love food analogies. That's, I'm starting to realize that. That's cool. It's making me hungry. Um, (laughs) Now in terms of of innovation, I know it's a word that gets used so much and, and sport managers love it. It's almost like a buzzword. You have to be innovative and we have to do something innovative, but tell us what exactly does it mean? And why did you think it was useful to, to study this area for sport organizations? One innovation to me and something that just from a management perspective is that it's something new and useful to the unit of measure. Um, So for me, I love organizational behavior. I love that unit of measure of the organization. And so it's anything new and useful to them. And what I love about that is that it's not just new. It's new and useful. And so understanding something that's going to, you can bring into your organization or bring into your work group that's going to be new and useful, um, you have to actually measure it to see if it was useful, um, which is another kind of key component to this. And, you know, I worked in women's professional soccer um, for the first league, the second league, sorry, the second league in women's professional soccer in the United States. Um, And then I worked at major league soccer and I saw a lot of resource constraints. And I saw a lot of, you know, employee turnover and those kind of things. And, you know, I wanted these organizations to succeed because I care passionately about, you know, women's soccer, you know, around the United, around the United States, around the world. And, you know, I was starting to realize that, well, instead of just constantly feeding them information, which is very useful, right? You know, market research, all those kind of things. What if we kind of taught them to fish? you know, that idea of what if we just created 
competencies in these managers that they may or may not, you know, I started working with soccer because I loved the sport. I don't think I was actually very good at my job. I can have some old bosses come in and tell you that I'm not sure I had the competencies that I needed uh, to be really good at my job. And so if I can help teach practitioners how to be more creative, um, they can solve their own problems. You know, they don't, they won't need us to come in and try to help solve them, solve it for them. So I think that that was something that really motivated me. Um, Plus, and I think Chris Green will, she has a very fun personality as well, is that we just didn't, it's fun. Um, Creativity and innovation are just really unique and really engaging and exciting for me personally. So it was also just a little personal, like, I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. Um, and I, I, find, I find it to be so fascinating. So it's sort of a little bit to help the world and a little bit to help me. Oh, that's, that's the perfect uh, way to approach research, I think. Uh, and to do this research, you used a, an organizational creativity framework. So uh, I assume that's just about adding beanbags and table tennis tables to the workplace. Is that it? hundred percent, hundred percent. It's all about, uh, you know, just juggling soccer balls. And, you know, what's funny is that I work in a building at East Tennessee state. That's very, um, environmentally uncreative is built in 1977. It's honestly just not a great building. Um, and that's okay. And so, you know, people think that yes, creative work environments are helpful in terms of the physical location, but in reality, um, it's so much more about that work environment that you create as individuals within a work group or within an organization. And so much more about um, individual creativity and engaging in the creative process. Creativity is not a personality trait. Um, it can be, it, you can be more likely to engage in creativity as a personality trait, but creativity itself, the process of it is a skill and it's engaging in those activities and on a consistent level. It's the same as any, you know, writing. Um, I've only gotten good at writing now that I had to write, you know, one third of a textbook. And so I think that that, that's a thing that people sort of mistake about creativity. Like I'm not a creative person. My coworker said that all the time before I convinced her otherwise. She was like, I'm not creative. And I'm like, you may not feel like you have a creative personality, but you're producing creative ideas. So you're doing something that's producing creative ideas. And it was really just an identity uh, issue rather than the actual evidence. You know, she was, if you create new and useful ideas to your organization, you are creative. You may not, you may be terrible at art. Um, I'll tell you, you know, no one can ever understand any piece of art I've ever created um, because it's so bad. Um, But, you know, if I engage in the creative process regularly, yeah, you know, and if I'm producing new and useful ideas, then I'm being creative. And like you said, if you're doing that in an organizational aspect, that's organizational creativity. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly what uh, you were looking at. To do this, you use both a social network analysis as well as as surveying uh, a couple of sport organizations. Why combine the two? What I loved about social network analysis, um, and it's hard to do, especially in an organization, because you have to get at least 80% of the organization, um, uh, between 65 and 80%, depending on what the survey is about. And what I love about social network analysis is within these organizations, you can have markedly different experiences. Uh, so, you know, I'll tell you my experience at Major League Soccer was significantly different than people I knew in other departments. And it really depended on what was happening in your work group, uh, it depended on who you went to for advice, 
So I thought it was really important because creativity, especially at the organizational level, is so socially influenced that it would be really interesting to look at it in terms of who are you engaging when you do the creative process or who are you engaging with when you go to in terms of solving problems? You know, who do you go to for advice? And so I felt that was a much deeper perspective to look at rather than simply what's the average within this organization um, and really get a strong overlay of what that organization, um, the experiences in the entire organization and not just sort of an average of what the organization is, is happening. So the idea being that if the people around you are more creative, then it's likely that you're going to be more creative. That is evidence of that uh, is true in a significant amount of creativity research. In my research, it did not show that it was true. And we can, I, if you want me to delve into why. No, that's okay. We'll get into the hypotheses okay. and, and the results <laughs> in, in a second. I just wanted to, to, to get that, that, uh, that idea across. Um, and, and just on the method, look, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about a method that, oh, this method is so cool and it's so easy. I don't think I've ever heard that before. It's always, it's really great, but wow, it is so hard. Um, so uh, look, that's, that's just the way it is. Now, in, in terms of the case study, you surveyed a couple of sport organizations, ones that um, yeah, I follow uh, somewhat, uh, Major League Soccer and the National Women's Soccer League, both, at a, I'm going to use the European uh, version of the word football competitions in the USA, of course, soccer in, in some other countries. Um, now, I, I think if anyone has to be innovative, it is these organizations, they are up against some really stiff competition. Yeah, it, I mean, I did show that the employees agreed that their organizations were creative generally, um, which, you know, is a bit different at some other uh, sport organizations. And I think that that was an interesting part of it was that they probably did have a stronger need to have competitive advantage because they were competing against I mean, gosh, especially with NWSL, uh, they were competing against kids having soccer games at the same time, which, you know, you don't see with MLB or NFL as much. Um, and so, you know, trying to build those brands, some of which had been around for a while, some of which were entirely new. And so that was really interesting to look at those types of organizations uh, within the sport field what are they doing um, and how are they engaging with innovation? And, and I think that's interesting in terms of they're seeking competitive advantage on the field with their against each other, but then off the field, they really just want all of them to survive, right? No, no NWSL team, no MLS team wants another team to no longer exist because they know that that hurts their brand just as much as it hurts the brand of the team that dies. And so that is a really interesting perspective in terms of creativity innovation, because you're constantly sharing ideas about how to improve your brand, even if you're not sharing ideas on how to improve on the field, because you definitely want to be the winning team. It's, it's almost something that's unique to sport, isn't it, as well? Because it's not often that you want your competitors to succeed in some, in some way. If anyone wants to dig real deep, uh, Neil, 1964, fascinating <laughs> article. Um, but... <laughs> I think that's the go-to for all sport management uh, students, isn't it? Uh, check out the old 1964. Yeah. Um, now, now, based on the, the literature, uh, what did you expect to find? What were your hypotheses going into this? So I was uh, expecting to find that individual perceptions of their own creativity um, would be positively related to their perceptions of organizational creativity. I'm a part of an organization. I'm creative. So my organization is more likely to be creative. And then the second one was that their work environment. So the more creative they felt like their work environment and the 
kind of four different aspects of a work environment that I was kind of theorizing. And more creative that work environment is, the more likely my organization is actually going to be creative. And those are two different things because organizational creativity is about that output of new and useful. Um, whereas the work environment is more that perception of what's happening within your organization. And then this idea that those relationships can be impacted by who you go to for advice, who are the people you interact with on a regular basis. And so that was kind of what I was expecting was that those were all going to impact people's idea of the organizational creativity in their organization. And it didn't quite work out that way. I think I need a drum roll now. So <laughs> what were the results? What, what did you find after your, after your, your social network analysis and survey? Oh my gosh. After I learned a whole lot of methodology uh, analysis tools. Oh man, it was, that was a journey. Um, I think what was interesting about it was none of it related except work environment. And then there's one other piece that I'll, that I can talk about after that, but uh, is that really the only thing that impacted people's perceptions of their organizational creativity was two things related to their work environment. And one was that they had a clear vision. So the organization had a clear vision of where they wanted to go. And I think that makes so much sense because if you understand what you need to be creative about, um, like I, I, I come up with creative, creative ideas all the time, but I teach a three, three, uh, three classes a semester. Um, and I, I really like my like personal life. So yeah, those ideas are not going to fit in the vision that I have for my career. Um, so you know what, they're not really that useful. So it kind of makes sense, right? That these organizations, you have this clear vision, people know what to be creative about. Creativity is not just a blank page. Um, you have to put constraints around it. You have to put either time constraints or resource constraints. Although another research I did shows you don't want too many t research constraints because that also hurts it. So it's sort of this U shape. Then the second part was what we kind of called was the process. So it's this idea of participative safety so if you're feeling like you can bring your ideas to the table, it was about this idea that the group that you're working in is working toward the goal together. They all value that goal. And then this idea of just simply of support for innovation. Um, so this idea is, are you encouraged to be creative? And so those were the most impactful, were the only impactful uh, relationships to organizational creativity. An interesting part about not seeing the, and this is sort of going into what we're not sure if this is true, and I'd love for someone to pick all this stuff up and do some cool research. Individual creativity did not relate to perceptions of organizational creativity. And one of the things we talked about was potentially the more creative you feel like you are, the less creative you might feel everyone else around you is. So if you're really, really good at your job, right? You're like, huh, I'm working with a bunch of jokers. But another potential reason is the idea that you're not being able to express your individual creativity. So I may be creative, but it's getting stopped at, you know, me telling my boss. And then my boss is like, okay, sure, kid. <laughs> I don't know why you're a kid, but like, you know, you could, be, you could be 65 and be creative. And so those two things potentially might be happening. And I'd love for somebody to just sort of figure that part out. And then the second part is that who you go to for advice, this the social engagement didn't have any impact, which, and this is the thing that, that I think is most interesting it, because I think null results are fascinating. It was, it was focused on within the organization at the time I was a PhD student, you know, like you can only, you can't do social network analysis for an entire league um, as a PhD student. 
Um, someday somebody can. And so I only looked at who they went to for advice in the organization. But as we know with leagues is that most of these teams have, you know, one person operations, one person in market. Well, not one person, but you know, a few people in each. Oh of no. these Sometimes it's well, just yeah. one person in marketing. <laughs> That's true. I like, I'm sorry. It, NWSL, it definitely, I actually, there were two of us in operations. I had a boss, but um, you may not be going for creative advice. Like you may be going for like, Hey, I don't like my boss. What do I do advice from your coworkers, but you're not going to go for creative topic specific advice. So for me, I was in operations um, and then in business development at MLS is that I may go to somebody who does the same job as me, but in a different team. And so that creative relationship within the organization may not be as useful in sport as it is in the research in all, because all this other research is done entirely in tech companies, manufacturing companies. And so that's a really exciting part about sport is that potentially we're seeing this cooperative, coopetition structure impacting how people engage in creativity and how that engagement is impacting their organizational creativity. And it's so funny because when I saw these results, I immediately thought about one of my close friends still working in soccer was the operations manager at Chicago. Well, I was the operations manager at New Jersey and we talked on Skype every single day and you know, yeah, sure. We were like, how's life, whatever. But also we talked about our jobs and we talked about how we stole ideas from each other all the time, even though we were opposing teams because we knew that we weren't opposing teams because we, neither of us had an impact on what happened on the field. Other than if like, you know, something terrible happened with a sign. The lights go out. Yeah, exactly. Hey, don't joke about that. That happened to me one time. (laughs) So it was amazing because I saw those results and it was, it immediately clicked with something that happened to me in my own life, um, which is what I love about research and, practitioner relationships. And then it was like, oh my gosh. So that's another sort of shout is that somebody should look at from a social network perspective, look at who do you talk to outside of your organization, that that's a really exciting kind of part of it. But in terms of to like circle back to the original part of that is that the work environment seems to be the key for any organization is that clear vision, that support for innovation, participative safety, and, you know, task orientation. It seems to be the most influential for any managers out there who are like, yes, I want to be more creative. Like, well, read my article. No. (laughs) I I think that's a great starting point. Um, (laughs) Some excellent results, really fascinating results. But the, the ultimate academic question is, how does this advance the theory? What it does is opens up, one, this idea that creativity and organizational creativity do function differently in sport because of the structures. Um, well, potentially because of the structures, we just know they be- it behaves differently than what's happening in manufacturing and tech. And potentially it's because of the cooperative competitive structure that sport, professional sport in particular, is housed within these leagues. So I think that's a really exciting part of it is that everything wasn't confirmed. And so league structure and cooperative competitive behavior could be influencing that model, the empirically tested model of organizational creativity that's been shown in a lot of different areas. If you look at, you know, there's a great Academy of Management article about this, 
but in sport, at least what I've seen so far is, you know, and this isn't my only article about this, but uh, is that something different is going on. And my initial thought is that it has to do with that competitive cooperative structure. But, you know, it could be because we have nostalgia and tradition, right, as, as a fundamental part of sport. That could also be the thing impacting it. Now, I want to I want to take you back without giving you nightmares to your days in uh, working for the sport organization <laughs> and knowing what you know now after doing this research, let's say you're the CEO, you're the boss now, what would you do? How would you implement strategies to enhance creativity, to, to, to have innovation? Um, I think building a safe environment. Um, and this is something that actually one of my friends who's currently a GM of a team, um, she talks about this, that, you know, that's something that she picked up as well is she didn't always do that. And now she's seen that as something that's really important. So building that safe environment, creating a clear vision, you have to know it can't just be make money or survive, right? That's not a vision. But I think that really that participative safety, letting people, because people have great ideas. Interns have great ideas. Volunteers have great ideas. Um, and so giving them the space and the feeling of safety to Im- bring those ideas to the table, I think that would be one thing. Um, and the second thing is building in time, not during season, because I think that's stupid, uh, because during season, right, you're just just get stuff done, right? You're working 12 hours a day. You don't have weekends. Like, just get things done. But maybe in the off season start engaging in creative processes yourself and also help your uh, employees to do the same. And I think when I talk about creative processes, I don't mean just idea generation because you have to start with problem identification because idea generation, you might be trying to solve the wrong problem. This happens all the time in college athletics, um, in university athletics, obviously here in the United States is massive, but I see it all the time is that they'll be like, oh, our problem is college students don't show up and they're like, they'll put out some crappy little survey and they'll be like, Oh, they all want Wi-Fi. That's the problem. And so they'll install Wi-Fi for like $5 million and the students still don't show up. And it's like, well, yeah, because you didn't solve the right problem. Wi-Fi was a mechanism that like, you know, was a part of the problem, but there's a lot more underlying problems you're not dealing with. So I think as a boss, I would say really go from problem identification, information searching and encoding, and then idea generation and do it all in the off season when you actually have time and don't expect the first time to go well. If there's one assumption that I have that may be my big blind spot as a researcher is that I really do believe everyone can be creative. I think that's that's a great belief. And look, it's it's really good advice for sport organizations. I can see how that's that's really going to help them. Uh, and definitely the bit about forget doing this in the on season uh, during the season because forget it. Um, yeah. Fascinating research. Uh, I think so much more to do as well. Like you say, there, there's so much more to explore. But um, really interesting um, findings as as well. So thank you. No, it's been great to talk about. Thanks so much, Natalie. Thank you. And thanks for listening to Sport Management Review Insights. At the Sport Management Review website, you'll find all the latest research being published, including the article discussed in this episode, examining the factors influencing organizational creativity in professional sport organizations from volume 23, issue five. That's it for this episode, but take a look. There's plenty more you can download to your favorite podcast player. Until then, it's bye for now.